my territory. Um, so it is a lot of kilometers in the car, and uh, I, I hit one or two or 10 or 20 snowstorms through my traveling through the winter, and that's just life, and we all get it, living in northern Ontario. You just don't always think that's going to happen at this time of year, but you never can tell. Um, and so I stepped into this role, working with pastors and churches. I've been pastoring now for 29 years. I'm into my 30th year now of pastoring. And uh, I planted a church in Sault Ste. Marie called The Summit. And uh, I had done that, uh, started that in 2004. It was a university, college, campus uh, age church. It was just for students. We started on a Monday night. We met in a bar, and uh, that was our church. That's how things begun uh, for us. And as time went on, some of our students were getting married. Some of our young married students wanted to have kids. And uh, they were like, could we also do like a family-style church? And so for, you know, early on, we, we would meet in the bar on Monday nights for our church and Sunday mornings. We got, to, we got to use the bar for Sunday mornings. So that was great. We get to set up in the morning and we didn't have to uh, tear down for a little bit. And then as time went on, it morphed in a 40 different ways until uh, eventually we moved to a building downtown, moved to another building downtown right across from where the junior, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the Greyhounds play, the junior hockey team, right across the street. I found our building. And uh, we kind of grew the church from there. We merged with another church because they were struggling and asked me if I'd be their lead pastor and take them on. And, and it just took on a life of its own. And, and so I started the church with about five people. And I, I resigned uh, in 2019, November 2019, because God had to force me out of there to come and do this job and be a regional director and uh, a healthy, vibrant, uh, strong church of about 300 so God had done a lot in 15 years of, uh, you know, starting and ministering and engaging a community. Now it's a community of not just students, but it's got little ones, it's got babies, it's got senior citizens. It's a full plethora of people, and uh, it's just an exciting place to be. So I continue to live in Sault Ste. Marie, um, even though I travel so much. My family was heavily connected and plugged into the Sioux. So it was easier for my family to remain where they were, and because I'm not home as much as I would like to be, and uh, so it's easy for them to be there. So we still attend the summit. I'm probably there once every six to eight weeks, and it's funny. I walk in now, and I'll have people greet me at the door, and they'll be like, oh, hi, welcome. What's your name? Oh, I'm Jeremy. It's great to be here with you this morning. Well, great. Do you know where the coffee is? Yeah, I think I've seen that before. A couple of times it happened where I got invited to preach there, and, and then somebody who greeted, then the new lead pastor introduces me as the founding pastor, and the person who greeted me like a guest, a visitor, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know who you were. It's okay, I like the fact that the church is full of new people that I don't even know yet. God is doing a good thing, and so it's great to be with leaders like Gary and Elizabeth and travel across and invest in churches, and I get to work with boards uh, a lot of things I do, I do board training, and uh, we do a lot of retreats with uh, board members and helping them understand where they are and what their responsibility are in serving the church. So that's a little about me and what I do. I do have four kids, <clears throat> married to uh, my wife, Nancy. We're married 25 years this summer, and she keeps telling me i got to buy her a big gift or i got to take her on a big trip. That's what 25 tells me. Um, so I'm still trying to fight her on that one a little bit. But I got four kids as well. 
three older boys, one little girl. Uh, Titus is 19. Uh, Zane is 14, going to be 15 in a few week, couple of weeks. Um, I got uh, Declan, who's 12, and my little girl, Anaya. She has Down syndrome, and she's nine. And uh, the joy of everyone's life, quite literally. Uh, if ever you were to meet her, she makes you feel like a million bucks. If you're having a bad day, life is not going well for you, just take a spin to Sault Ste. Marie and say, could I meet with Anaya? And she will make you feel like you are the most important person in the world. That is her gift. So that's my family, and uh, who I miss dearly when I'm on the road, but it's great to be part of God's family. So I want to share with you a little bit tonight, and uh, just talk a little bit about Good Friday, and what, what Good Friday represents, why we celebrate Good Friday. I think for a lot of times, I grew up in the church, and uh, I grew up in the Catholic church for a lot of years. And, and I had sometimes this understanding, like, Good Friday was just something you did. Like, I knew growing up that on Good Friday, I didn't eat meat, and I didn't have candy. Like, I knew that. That's what I understood growing up, that that's what Good Friday was about. I knew that I had to go to Mass. Like, I understood that. But I never really grasped what Good Friday meant. And why do we celebrate it as the church? You see, Good Friday is a unique day in the life of the church. It, it reminds us that Jesus' death provided a way for us to enter into an ongoing and a very secure relationship with the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Spirit. And the thing that it did is it, re, it, it tells us that we can connect with God, not just on Easter weekend, not just once a month if we show up to church on Sunday. God actually provided a way through his son Jesus Christ that we can connect with him, we can meet with him, we can talk with him all day long at any point in time. It could be Monday morning and you're rolling out of bed, exhausted, not wanting to go to work. You can still talk to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And that's what Good Friday has provided for us through the crucifixion that Jesus experienced. He provided a way so that we could engage with God in an open form. Now you and I, living in this day, well, we kind of understand that we can connect with God. Maybe we've heard that told to us. But this isn't the way it always was. What God has provided for us today is a new and a living way. In the early beginnings of Judaism, before Jesus went to the cross and died, things weren't that open. They weren't, there wasn't that great of an opportunity for us to connect that way. I want to read to you right now, starting from the book of Matthew, chapter 27. And I'm not going to read all of the verses here, but I want to highlight a couple of things. Or sorry, you're not going to read all of the, high, all the verses on the screen. Uh, I, I'm going to read them all, but you're going to just get some snippets here that I want to focus on. On verse number 46 from Matthew 27, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? Because in that moment, Jesus felt pretty deserted on a cross, in pain, suffering, bearing the weight of our sin, all of humanity's sin on his back. And in that moment, because of his sinfulness, 
carrying the sin of the world on him, said he felt like the father had turned his back. Why have you abandoned me? Why have you turned away from me? We know that's not the case, but that feeling. And then later in verse number 50, we read that Jesus again passionately cried out to God. He took up his last breath and he gave up his spirit or he died. In verse number 51, at that moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies, it says it was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil was torn in two from top to bottom. We're going to get to this in a moment. The earth shook violently and the rocks were split apart. I mean, this was something pretty powerful that took place on Good Friday. Like something out of the ordinary. I can almost imagine, like, what were the people thinking that were standing by the rock, uh, sorry, by the road and a couple of rocks just blew up? What were they thinking happened? When all of a sudden they heard this earthquake coming and those who were in the temple at the time, the priests, and all of a sudden they turn and they see this veil that had guarded the Holy of Holies, this intimate place of relationship with God the Father for hundreds of years, all of a sudden had been torn Not from the bottom up, because it had been dragging on the ground and dirty feet had stepped on it. It tore from the top right to the bottom. God had performed a miracle. Now, I know, when I think about how powerful that that moment would have been, like, I, I know how we feel just when a snowstorm shows up on April the 6th. Like, we're like a little bit in disbelief. Come on, it was just 10 degrees yesterday. How can it be snowing today? Like, I know how we feel in the north. But this would be more like you lounging on the shores of Lake Superior in the middle of July, and then all of a sudden, a whiteout conditions blizzard happened. That would blow your minds. That's a little bit of what took place on Good Friday. This should not be happening right now. God was doing something powerful. You see, this inner veil, and I have a picture here, and it's not a great picture, but just this concept of, of, of this, uh, th- this isn't the holy of holies. This is looking, looking from the most holy place to the holy of holies. So this would be kind of standing on the platform, would be the area where the priests would all connect and hang out and do their work. And behind that wall, it's kind of fitting, this is a big full spread wall, the Holy of Holies curtain, and behind that is where God would dwell and where the high priest would meet with God. Well, this inner veil that kept humanity separated from God for years was split head to toe. Now, you got to understand something. This curtain that you kind of see on the screen behind me. We're not talking some cutesy, you know, light, pretty little piece of fabric. This, this veil that you may see on a woman's face when she's getting married, that you can see through to her eyes and you could literally just grab it and, and rip. That, that's not what we're talking about. This veil was a finely woven veil 
or of, of, of fine uh, goat hair uh, and, and, um, and burlap. And it was, it was made of um, uh, blue, purple, and scarlet linens. This was the colors. And it was interwoven with these, these angels, these cherubim. Like it was a gorgeous piece of material. But this piece of material wasn't just this small little curtain you'd hang on the window. It was 15 by 15, 15 feet wide by 15 feet high was this veil. And it's the, the old scholars, Jewish scholars said it was about as thick as four fingers wide. This wasn't this light little cloth. It was intended so that you couldn't see in. You couldn't get into the presence of God. It was sheltered. The picture was very clear. Stay out. There is no open access here. You can't come in here. Stay away. For you and me, the average common person, we had no access to God. Only the high priest could ever connect with God that way. And then the high priest could only connect with God once a year. Isn't that wild? Once a year. Once a year he can go to church and meet with God. And what would take place is the high priest, before going in, Yom Kippur, before he got to go in and meet with God, he would plead or atone for the sins of all Israel. And you would come and people would be selling goats and, and animals and they'd be sacrificing and, and praying over and there's sprinkling of blood and a whole bunch of other rituals that I don't have time to go into tonight. But the high priest would do all of this atoning for our sins and his own sins and then he would go meet with God through that thick, heavy veil. Now you may be thinking, wow, he was lucky. He got to go meet with God. Yeah, I wouldn't call it luck. Because it wasn't the opportunity that you may get to, to come to and go, oh my gosh, I get to go to church. It wasn't like that. There was a lot of fear and trembling before going into the Holy of Holies. You see, when the priest would go in, this wasn't just, you, you don't just follow these rules and rituals willy-nilly, like whatever happens, no big deal. You, know, you didn't just show up however. Like, that's not how it was done in those days. I couldn't get away with wearing jeans. Let's put it that way. There was just a way that you approached God with a lot of rituals and a lot of steps. And if you didn't do them right, you could actually physically die. This wasn't this, woohoo, I get to go meet with God. It was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I hope I've prayed every sin that's in my life out. I hope I've, I've had sacrifice for everything. I hope I've done every step of my rituals properly. I'm hoping I've crossed myself the right amount of times in the right direction. Because if I don't, I could die. This is how it was. So much so that they would, they would put bells in the hem of the garment of the priest. So that when he's walking around, you could hear ding, 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 ding. And they would tie a rope to his ankle. Because if they stopped hearing ding, 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 that's been a little too long. Oops, I guess he had a couple of sins in his life he forgot to talk to God about. 
Let's pull him out because he's dead. This is what it was like to go into the presence of God in those days. But something absolutely powerful happened on Good Friday. Good Friday provided a way for us to encounter the presence of God without fear, without trembling, even in our own frailty as human beings. The veil was torn from top to bottom, and the way was made open so that we could connect with God. You see, when Jesus went to the cross and took on his own shoulders all of the sins of humanity, when he did that, this old system, these old rules and rituals, this fear-filled and unwelcoming system, this segregating and discriminating system, there's something else about this system. Nobody was equal in those days. So there was an area up here where the priests could perform their work and they would do their sacrifices before they could, the high priest would go in through the Holy of Holies. And over here is where all the rest of the Jewish people would be, out in this inner court area. But that was only Jewish men. The women could be in the back. And, and if you ever go online, you can even look at kind of imagery of what the temple courts looked like. They had these corners, these areas where the women could go, kind of up in the sound booth. They can go there. They can go kind of in that back glassed area. But they can't come out in this area. And that was if you were Jewish. If you weren't Jewish, you didn't only get to just look through the window outside the wall. You had to traverse the, 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 the swamp of the parking lot and be on the other side of the parking lot looking in at the building where the temple was because you weren't welcome. Very segregating. Very discriminating. This was the culture of the day in Judaism. You didn't just walk in, hey, can I connect with Jesus? Could I sit down, grab a coffee and worship God? Are you a man? No. Then there's your spot. Are you Jewish? No. Then put your boots on and go across the parking lot. But you're welcome over there. This was the system. And Good Friday, when Jesus went to that cross, he got rid of this segregating and discriminating system. This temporary and limited system was actually torn from top to bottom by God himself. And he provided a new and a living way for all of humanity, regardless of race, gender, or age, to finally connect with God. Now I want to hear, I want you to hear what the pastor who wrote the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, talked about. Because he, he talked about this concept of the veil being torn and, and the work that Jesus did on the cross of what Good Friday represented. And out of it, there's three things that I want to encourage you with before we go tonight. He says in verse number 19 of chapter 10, And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family, because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes all of us to come right into the most holy sanctuary. Well, that's different. That ain't the old system. This is a new and a living way. For he has dedicated this new and living way for us to approach God. 
we can actually, all of us, men, women, all genders, all nationalities, all ages, we can all freely come together and connect with God. Jesus did this. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us, listen to these words, to give us free and fresh access to Jesus. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, let us worship him. You see, as a result of the actions that Jesus did on Good Friday, what Good Friday represents isn't just this ritual that we do, this thing, this time that we fill in. It reminds us of the opportunity we now have, that we don't have to jump through a ton of hoops. I don't have to, I don't have to like bow down on my knees and stand up and say a bunch of things and get, and, and a lot of different religions have a lot of hoops and a lot of rituals or things that you gotta do. Jesus says, nah, those things don't save you. Those things aren't gonna get you into a relationship with, with God, my Father. I've provided a new opportunity for you. And here's the three things that He has allowed us to be able to do. The first is this. We are now able, verse 22 of Hebrews 10, to come close to God and approach him with an open heart. This is what he's provided for us. We get to do this. We actually get to approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. Nothing. Yeah, but you don't know, you don't know what I said to that, that store clerk on Tuesday. Nothing will keep you from approaching God. Yeah, but you didn't hear me yell at my kids on Thursday. Nothing will prevent you from approaching God. Yeah, but I thought something pretty bad last night. Nothing will prevent you from approaching God because of the work that Jesus did. Nothing. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. Guys, we've been freed from an accusing conscience and now we're clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. How many know that you're not holy? How many know that we drop the ball from time to time and we act in ways we wish we could take back? Am I the only one? You see, we, all, we know we're not holy, so we know that we shouldn't be able to go through that, that, that curtain into the most holy place. We know that. But here's what happens. When Jesus Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, you make him your Lord and Savior, and you accept the work that he did on the cross, you are now covered, it says, by Jesus. It says you're covered by his blood, but that's kind of icky, thinking like, oh, there'll be blood over me. You're covered by Jesus so here's what happens. When God the Father, we know we're not holy, but when God the Father looks at us now as we go to approach him, he sees his son Jesus covering us. So what he sees when he looks at us is the holiness of his son. That's what makes us be able to approach him with confidence. Not because you and me are awesome, because we ain't. Because he is, and he's holy. And he's holy for all of time. And he covers us. 
He covers a multitude of sins and he provides that open access to meet with God. You see, Good Friday should drive home the reality that as followers of Jesus, we don't have to wait till Easter weekend to connect with Jesus. It should drive home the truth that Christ provided the opportunity for us to connect in a deep and personal way every hour of every day if we desire. That's what Jesus has provided for us. We don't need to feel fearful like the high priests of old did. God actually wants to have a relationship with you. Do you realize that? Like he actually wants to sit and chat with you. He wants you to open up your heart to him. He wants to connect with us. And that's why he tore that veil. Because he wanted to engage with humanity. Jesus, the high priest, atoned for all of our past, present, and future unholiness. So that by his blood, we can now walk in a relationship with the Father. As holy men and women of God. That's what Good Friday reminds us of. I'm not saying we don't ever need to repent. We know when we've had a bad day. We know when we've said things we wish we could take back, thought things we wish we could blank out. We need to still say, Jesus, forgive me. I, I was not smart yesterday. I forgive you. Your whole, my holiness covers your life. I've already provided forgiveness for you, and now your conscience is clear because you've approached me and said, for Give me for yesterday. Here's the second thing we're now able to do because of Good Friday. We are able, verse 23, to cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing, knowing that God always keeps his promises. You see, we know that Jesus made this way possible for us. Because of it, we're now able to continually draw near to God this newly opened doorway has been availed to us. Nobody got the pun. Gee, thought it would work, Pastor Gary. I was too tired. It's Friday night. Too tired of puns. This newly opened door, door has been availed to us. Anyways, that's ah, bad. Okay. Jesus gave us a way to walk in total hope, a way to walk with total confidence. When we approach him, you actually can have confidence. Not this, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying you, the hope, like, like, oh, I hope God, I hope God doesn't do anything bad to me when I go meet with him, like the priests of old did. That's not what I'm meaning. I'm not saying, I hope everything will go well. I mean, you walk in with this confident hope. I know God's going to receive me. I absolutely am assured I have boldness in my approach. When I, get, when I sit down, I say, hey, God, can I chat with you right now? I have some things I'm a little discouraged about or need answers for. Can I talk to you? Absolutely, son. Let's sit down and have a chat. Jesus has provided that, that we can walk with this incredible hope of a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He's provided this hope. We can approach him. We can connect with the presence of God as often as we want. And the truth is we all desperately need it. We desperately need to connect with him. And you know what? 
God desperately desires to be known by us. He actually wants you to know him, to know his heart, to know his love for you. Zephaniah says that he actually sings over you with joy. We are that precious to our Heavenly Father that he sings over us with joy. You need to know tonight, God wants to connect with you. Now, when this pastor in Hebrews wrote this message, it's probably true that the Christians there were a little bit like us. That because of life's struggles and failings and and life's fears and overwhelming pressures, they actually remained distant from God. The truth is that the real issue that these people and we face isn't actually life's struggles. It's that we don't come into the presence of God when there are life struggles. That's the issue. When we face difficult days, it's not the difficult days that are overwhelming. It's that we don't take time to go to our God that we now have free and open access to in our difficult days. You see, Jesus wants to walk with us. He wants to carry us through life struggles And so now we need to cling tightly to the hope that lives within us because of the work that Jesus did on Good Friday. But not only has this new and living way provided strength and confidence for you and me personally, it's also provided equal access to everyone, regardless of age, gender, nationality. Number three says that we are able also, in verse 24, to discover creative ways to encourage others and motivate them towards compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. You see, verse 25 says, this isn't a time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because, and I love this, as it says in the Passion Translation, because we need each other. We need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day of Jesus' return. Guys, what Christ did on Good Friday provided an opportunity for everyone to engage. The walls were blown out. Everybody could come in. There was no separation, segregation, or discrimination. We all need each other. And here's the thing. I need you and you and you to connect with God, to go to him, to be in relationship. I need you to do that, Frank, because there's going to come a time in my life when I'm struggling and I need my brother Gary to lift me up and encourage me. And if he's not taking the time to connect with God with the open way that God's provided, then I will miss out at some point in time. You see, we need each other. We can't walk this life alone. And one of the greatest problems that happens in life, two things, I believe, when struggles happen, we pull away from others, and often we pull away from God two of the biggest mistakes we could ever do because I need you 
and you need me, and we all need God. And Good Friday has made it possible that there are no more walls, there are no more barriers. We are all together in the presence of a holy God. And we all need to support and encourage each other towards a deep relationship with him. Because there'll come a point in time when you need to lean on your brother or your sister. And we all need our Heavenly Father. Something we need to remember about this tearing of the veil. It caused us to to put aside all, all stereotypes and all ideologies that believe that I'm better than you. It killed it all. None of us are better than the other. None of us are more important. Realize that? None of us. Yeah, but I make a lot of money. Yep, who cares? None of you are more important than the other. That's what Jesus did on Good Friday. We are all equal at the foot of Jesus. And here's what I believe very firmly, is that a healthy follower of Jesus is someone who's learned to put the interests of others ahead of their own. And that's hard. But it's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about each other. Christ modeled for us what that looked like. He humbled himself even to the point of death. The least you and I can do is humble ourselves in front of our brothers and sisters so that life is about them and we honor them and we lift them up. You see, there used to be a thick, beautiful, yet ominous veil that kept us distant from God, but Good Friday ended all that. Jesus became the open doorway, giving us direct access to our Heavenly Father. Guys, we no longer have to hope that God will need us. We can walk into his presence with full confidence, knowing the way has been made open for you and for me. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 tells us that Jesus gave us boldness and confidence to walk through that open doorway because of our faith in Jesus. Amen. I don't know your story tonight. You may be sitting here believing that God actually doesn't care very much about you. Or maybe that he would never actually want to have a relationship with you. Maybe you believe that you got to do a bunch of hoops, you got to jump through things, you got to do a bunch of rituals, and you got to climb over a bunch of walls or say a bunch of right things, and they're difficult. Well, I'm telling you right now, that's a lie. You don't have to jump through any hoops, you don't have to do a bunch of sacrifices and rituals. And God does want to have a relationship with you. You are that important to Him, so important that he asked his one and only son to go to a cross and die for you. That's how much he loves you. He wants to relate with you. And all that needs to happen is saying, Jesus, I accept what you did on Good Friday, and I want you to be my Savior. And your way into that most holy place is wide open. I don't know if that's you tonight and if, if, if it is, and I encourage you to talk with somebody. Talk with a friend. Talk with Pastor Gary, Pastor Katie. 
and say, I didn't know that God actually wanted to connect with me that way. I want to know him like that. I want to be in a relationship with him like that. And they'll be happy to walk you through what that means. Now, for those of us who I believe many of us are already at a point where we've accepted the work that Christ provided for us, maybe you've been forgetting that you have this ongoing open access into his holy presence. Can I encourage you tonight? Can I motivate you to re-engage with the Father? To not make it a Sunday thing that you check off, but a life that you live daily in relationship with him. When you're at work, when you're driving, when you're sitting in your living room, you're shoveling the snow in June. You can just say, God, I just want to talk to you right now. I just want you to hear my heart. And Holy Spirit, can you talk to me? Because I want to hear your heart. God has provided, through the work of Jesus on Good Friday, open access to him each and every day. So, Let us allow this Good Friday to ignite something different in our lives this coming year. Let it ignite a new and a living day of hope and confident relationship with our Lord that motivates and encourages that same kind of relationship in our fellow brothers and sisters. Amen? That's what Good Friday is all about. I'm going to invite Pastor Gary back. If I can pray. This uh, tonight, keep wanting to say morning because not used to having night church. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity of getting together as as your family to celebrate what you did on the cross on Good Friday. I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that God. If there's anything that I said that put up a wall that, God, you just kind of able to tear that down in people's hearts and minds, that seeds of truth could be planted into them tonight. That each and every one of my brothers and sisters in this room tonight would be reminded that we need to enter into your presence. We need to connect with you. And Father, that we would be reminded that we need each other to grow in our faith. God, I pray a blessing over this church as it relates with each other, but God, as it connects to Terrace Bay and surrounding area across this North Shore, make it a vibrant, shining light of hope for all those who call the North Shore their home. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.